My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, we're back. It's Britt here today. Um, Super exciting guest coming on, Brad Powell. He's a professional videographer and video marketing strategist. He's also the host of the Standout CEO Show. Uh, CEO, guys, I'm tongue-tied. I don't know what's going on. It's middle of the week, I guess. I don't know. Let me say this again. He is the host of the Standout CEO Show. Super excited to have you on. Welcome to the show, Brad. How is it going? It's great. Thanks so much for having me on today. This is really nice to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, you know, Brad, you have an interesting journey. Um, and I think the things that you've done are, are just incredible. So do you mind, you know, before we really jump into any questions, let's talk about your journey. How did you get to where you are? What? Yeah, let's start with that. Actually, we'll start with that, and then we'll have. I have another question lined up for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start with how did I end up doing video because that's that's really what my work is today. I could tell lots of stories about how I got here, but the video story is probably the most appropriate. And okay. so the business that I had, I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is actually my third business, and the previous one was a music business. And what I was doing in that business was I was going around the world and meeting and chasing after world music artists who were really talented from the place where they lived, but were relatively unknown here in North America. And the thing that I was doing, this is my own passion. I mean, I was hearing sometimes a news segment on national public radio, like the Afropop Worldwide show, and they would feature an artist from somewhere in Africa or somewhere in the African diaspora. And you would hear this music and go, this is awesome. And then you go to the record store or go online looking for it, and you couldn't find the music anywhere. And so I I set out to basically solve this problem. And this is prior to iTunes. We're talking, you know, when I started, this was around the year 2000. And so what I did was I was partnering with media companies like the show Afropop Worldwide and satellite TV services and any media company that featured international music in their programming, whether it was radio or television. And then I would go out and I would license music from these artists. And I had this catalog, which was both audio and video that I would then relicense to the media companies that wanted to use it in their programming. And I built an online database. This is pre-iTunes, mind you, where you could hear on Afropop Worldwide some, you know, somebody like Oliver M. Takutsi from Zimbabwe, who is a guy who can fill football stadiums in Zimbabwe, <laughs> but nobody didn't really know who he was here. And but he's like a local, I mean superhero. He's this would have He'd be the same age as John Lennon if John Lennon was still alive and he can play the guitar even better than John oh, Lennon. Wow. <laughs> He's that level Love of that. artist. And so now you could hear him on the radio and then you could go to the Afropop shop, which was basically the back end of my database. And so you could go hear music, you could stream it, you could download it. 
and you could watch video all by this same artist on this database that I created. And what I learned was almost none of these artists had any video. Like they'd been playing, they tour, they do all these things, but almost none of them actually had produced anything like a music video. And the media companies were hungry for this. There really wasn't enough video of these of these kinds of artists available. So I just thought, you know, I raised my hands, well, I'll, I'll just start producing stuff. And so I got a camera <laughs> and I literally would show up places with my, you know, I was now a media guy and I would, with my backstage pass, be able to go around, meet the artists, interview them, and then actually record, videotape their live performance at these showcase conferences that I was attending. And the amazing sort of drop in my lap miracle that happened in the middle of all of this was right after maybe five years in, National Geographic woke up one day, someone in their digital department said, hey, you know what? We should do something with music. And whoever it was went around and started talking to all these different people saying, well, who's doing anything like this? Like, where has anybody gotten material that we could use for our channel and for our thing? And they all said, well, they were all people who I was already partnered with. They all said, there's this guy named Brad, and he's got this amazing catalog that nobody else has. You should call him. And so like literally out of the blue one day, I got this call from National Geographic saying, well, we've heard about you. We want your catalog. We'd like you to come down to Washington, D.C. We want you to be in charge of this new project that we're creating. And literally overnight, I became the music guy from National Geographic. And then from then on, like doors opened everywhere. And I could show up, you know, I could go down to, say, Sao Paulo in Brazil and go into recording studios and whatever recording project was going on then, you know, I would be there able to help produce video of what they were doing and and on and on. Like, it was really quite an amazing adventure. And, and how I got from there to here <laughs> was that around the years 2009, 10, 11, that period of time, a lot of things happened, including, you know, the economic collapse. But within the music industry, the sands were shifting, even if there hadn't been an economic collapse. And the music industry was really changing. And many of my partners and many of the labels and many of the people that I was partnered with and working with just kind of disappeared. And by 2011, National Geographic just decided, we just, we're just kidding. We didn't really want to be a music company. <laughs> And they pulled the plug on the project. And once that happened, it's like, okay, well, I've been helping people who are basically business people who have a lot of talent connect with their audience through the internet, through video. And I could do that with any entrepreneur who is, you know, purposeful and has something really cool and is really wanting to bring positive change somewhere. I can help them do that with video. And I just took all the skills I have and now apply it to entrepreneurs and business leaders who are wanting to, you know, get their message out in a very meaningful way and to do it with video. And of course, now it's so much easier than it was even back then in 2010, where just with your phone, just with what we're doing with the laptop, you can be connected with anyone anywhere and be speaking and getting your message out quite easily using this format. This is incredible. <laughs> How exciting. And the things you've done, I love it. Uh, you know, 
tell me a little bit more about what you're doing right now and what your focus is exactly. I know you touched on it, but if you could kind of dive in, that'd be interesting. Sure. Well, I actually think of myself more in the thought leader authority branding space than I do in as a videographer. And like people think of me as a video marketer, which is true. Like that's part of what I'm doing, but I'm really helping people create and grow a standout business using their personal brand and, and literally by enabling them to make themselves the face of their brand and the face of their company and the face of the mission that they're on. And these days, given that um, one of the interesting things that's happened in the world of video, as everybody has probably seen, is the TikTok platform. And it's really interesting because as an old school documentary filmmaker who likes to tell long involved stories, when I saw TikTok, I went, oh, I don't think I'm ever going to be involved with that. <laughs> even though it's music and even though it's it's actually kind of cool, I thought, well, what what can you really do there in a really meaningful way? to tell your story. And what I've learned is that actually you can do a lot. And, and I just want to say that the talking head is not dead, even on TikTok. So if you're a business person and you've been thinking about, I don't think I could do TikTok. Well, let me tell you that you don't actually need to dance. <laughs> you don't need to, <laughs> you know, jump around. You don't need to point to a little, you know, speech bubble somewhere. You can, you can just, you know, do your content and do something that's really powerful and meaningful and relevant to the people who you want to talk to. So right. what I do, you know, both with the podcast that I produce and with the content that I produce for my clients is in fact, sit people down for an interview. And so if you're looking at, well, how do I produce a like a month's worth of content? That's going to take a lot of time. I'm going to have to worry about the technical parts. I'm going to have to figure out you know, all the stuff around what my lighting and my video and all that stuff is. And then I have to figure out how to, you know, distribute it and, and publish it and put it out in all these different places. And, and then it comes down to, and what the heck am I going to say every day <laughs> for a month? Like that just seems like a big, heavy lift for most people who are already like, if you're a, if you are the CEO of your company, you're super busy and you don't have time for this. So what I now do with people is that they just simply meet with me for an hour. And I interview them just like we're doing right now. And I ask them questions and I help them get their answer out in a very succinct and clear way. And if they don't do it the first time, that's fine. We'll just ask it a different way and get a different kind of answer. And then I take all of those responses and I edit them down into a minute or less video clip. And I'll put it in a vertical format and it'll go out on TikTok and Instagram Reels and Facebook Reels, and it'll go on to YouTube Shorts, and it'll go on to LinkedIn. It'll go on to all their channels where they'd like to be. And within you know, 30, 60, 90 days, they will have this very robust and engaging online presence that puts them out there in front of the audience that they want to be speaking to and actually begin that all-important conversation that they want to be having with their exact right fit clientele. Interesting. Sounds a lot like what we do, you know? So I like it. I like the style and I know it works. Um, tell <laughs> me who are your 
right fit people because I know it's very important to be very crystal clear on who it is you're bringing on and and be, in order for it to have um value and be like like you said the right fit add value and add to your business you know so tell me in your situation who are these dream fit people well i like to think of the people who are in my audience and the people who i attract and work with that on a continuum that's very aspirational so my show is called the standout ceo so i am talking to people who either are standout leaders of their company and leaders of whatever industry they're in, or that's what they aspire to be. And so they could actually be at the beginning of stage of that journey. They could be a freelancer right now, or they could be a solopreneur without any team members, you know, or they could be the owner of an agency with a small team, you know, or they could be the CEO of a, a fairly large company. And I've talked to an interview and worked with people at all those different stages, but they're all in this path, this, you know, their their customer journey in terms of how I see them on the way of doing, not not thinking different, like what Apple says, but actually doing something different and doing something that really matters to the people who they're here to serve. And so my work is really about helping them fashion and refashion their messaging and their storytelling so that wh who they're talking to feel like they're being heard and they're being understood completely. And then, you know, going back to what, say, Simon Sinek says, like he always, this whole thing of start with why, you know, which is a good idea. Like if you're looking at, well, what kind of content am I going to produce? What am I going to say to people? That is a good place to start. Like, why are you doing this? What's what's your own personal reason for for bringing your whatever it is into the world? But I actually don't agree with that. <laughs> I think if you're going to start somewhere, you need to start with why does it matter to them? Like the question that you just asked me, like, who's my audience? Well, I always mean needing to be thinking about why does it matter to these people who want to stand out and do something really different and want to take a stand for something that they really truly believe in? Right. What, it, what about what I'm doing and bringing to the marketplace matters to them the most? And if I'm on message with that, then that's going to resonate. That's going to be relevant to where they are on their particular journey. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, what's most important is being able to be relatable on your podcast. I mean, and talk about, you know, your journeys and these other people's journeys and, and how they got to where they are and stuff like that, you know, and add value for what these people are listening, wanting, looking for. Right. So tell me a little bit about, you know, I don't know how you do it, but tell me a little bit about your your thoughts around organic versus paid acquisition? <laughs> well, I think, or, I mean, it's it's kind of a two-step process almost. Mm -hmm. I, I think what organic does really well is it helps you basically test all of your content. So you can put stuff out there and you can put it out in a very big way. And whether, whether you're doing it in a short form way, like this one, I, I call my service mic drop moments. So you can do a bunch of mic drop moments and see which one hits and gets the most engagement. At the same time, you know, if you're doing a podcast like the show that I do, again, like you can get on these conversations and some of them will, you know, for whatever reason, 
your people will just rally around that and say, oh, this is amazing. And you'll start getting a lot of response back from people in terms of their commenting and their response to you and or if you're interviewing someone, the guests that you have. And so when you have some data points like that, you can see pieces of content that do really well. You can lean into that and you can either, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, they'll come to me and say, well, I want to grow a YouTube channel. And I was like, well, great, awesome, let's do that. But these days, the way to do that well and the way to start is to do a bunch of organic short form video content, find out which topics are landing really well with the people who you want to reach. And of course, at the same time, grow an audience of some kind, like actually find some people who are interacting with your content. Well, if you're doing that on any of the social media platforms, you can retarget that whole group. That entire group of people who have engaged with you can be your audience that when you do a paid ad, that's who you're sending the paid traffic to. And so for instance, in the case of YouTube, you can have a bunch of YouTube shorts and even content on Facebook and so forth, but then you can make a longer form video, maybe a eight to 12 minute YouTube video that is more in the YouTube style of lots of animation and animated captions coming in and you know different edit cuts and B-roll right. and all that kind of stuff, like just a more elaborate video than you would normally do in short form. And you know that the topic is relevant and you can actually pay to have that video seen by the people who are familiar to you. And this is probably the most important thing. Like if you're doing paid traffic, you want to send it to people who know you. <laughs> and like, and this is not that hard to, to manifest. Like you can, you know, it, it definitely builds on itself. Like it starts compounding over time. And the, the good news is that as soon as you have any kind of modest size audience and you're sending, let's say a paid YouTube video to that same audience and that YouTube video starts to catch, well, YouTube will organically show it to new people and you'll get discovery and it'll be suggested to other people in similar channels. And once you get that kind of channel authority, then you've got the best of all worlds where you have a organic thing working in and feeding into your paid, your paid videos as well. And that's when you start really winning the game. Right. So the short answer is these two things work together really well. And I think the big mistake that I see people making with pay traffic is that they they just say, well, okay, you know, let's let's make some ads. And they don't have any foundation underneath that, either with knowing what kind of content they should be talking about, or they don't have a, an audience already established to send that pay traffic to. Right. Yeah, I agree. They work really well together um, when done properly, for sure. Now, how do you go about monetizing your uh, podcast? Well, my podcast, it's very similar to what you guys are doing. My, my podcast is really set up as a networking exercise. So the main thing that's come out of my podcast monetarily is people who are on the podcast, either directly become clients, that definitely happens. And it happens remarkably easily <laughs> in the sense that I, I'm doing what I help my clients do. It's quite meta. And, 
And we're talking about topics that are very much related to both what my clients are, my, what these guests are doing and what I'm doing. Like it's all in the same conversation. And so in some cases when, you know, as the, my guests understand what I do without any kind of solicitation at all, they'll say, hey, you know, I want to do, I want to work, you know, like I'm very interested in what you're doing. Let's talk more about that and how, how we can work together. But by the same token, and probably equally as much, a lot of my guests become referral partners and have recommended people to come my way. And that's worked really well also. So the podcast works, you know, I, right now I'm doing two, I, I produce it as a live stream. Mm -hmm. And again, it's part of my brand. I teach people about doing live streaming. And so I help them uh, we do a live stream and then I turn that live stream into an audio version that goes out as a, as an audio podcast. And then I distribute it. I do the same mic drop moments. I literally give each guest a couple of mic drop moments from their interview to show them like, here, here's your mic drop. This moment. is great. I, I literally call it that. And so they, they get it. They get an actual experiential uh, thing of, of what it's like to do what I do, what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, mm -hmm. they, they come on for an interview and they get a mic drop moment <laughs> and often, there you go. and often those mic drop moments do really well for them. Like I, even on my account, like I don't have a huge, big social media following, but like one example, this woman, uh, who now has become a client, she came on, she is someone, she has actually a fairly large following on LinkedIn and we live streamed onto LinkedIn. But then I took just one clip from the interview and I put it on my LinkedIn account as, you know, here's a video of one of my guests and go watch the whole thing if you want to, as I normally do. But that video on my account just blew right up. I mean, it reached over 40,000 accounts and it got something like 12,000 views and it got a couple dozen shares and it got hundreds of, you know, likes and tons of comments. I mean, this is more than normal than what I see for even my own videos on my own account. You know, and I, like on LinkedIn for me, I have maybe, I don't know, three and a half thousand connections there. So it's not really wow. huge. And so this particular video did extremely well. And this is again, like she looked at that and said, I want, I want more of this. <laughs> she wants something to do something like that. That's yeah. great. And like, I also think like a lot of people get it confused with um, even if they don't have the largest following, um, that often doesn't, I mean, I know a lot of people in my interviews have said, you know, I want more downloads cause it'll bring more money, but I don't believe that's true. I mean that in some cases it is, but, um, you're able to drive a lot of revenue from your podcast without a big following as well. Um, you know, so with what you're doing um, and the guests that come on, I know that uh, you'd mentioned they, they often turn into clients. How do you go about that? Well, I have a, my method in terms of bringing guests on has a few different steps in it. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I do, and I didn't do this at the start, but once I started doing it, I realized how much better the whole process was, which is I, that I actually interview each guest prior to the actual broadcast. So we sit down for you know half an hour and talk and it's really I'm wanting to get to know them so and to pick a topic and an angle for the episode that's really relevant to what they're doing right now rather than 
what I picked up from looking at their website, you know, mm -hmm. but, but just as important, I want them to hear like what I do and what I'm about. Like I, I'm really about, let's get to know each other. And yeah. so that really works. And I never actually pitch myself to them directly that, you know, in any of that, I'm not going, Hey, you should come over and check this out. And maybe this would be helpful for you. It's much more of let's, let's check each other out. And I do talk about exploring ways that we could collaborate. And because in almost every case, there's some opportunity for us to do that. And so right. it's really just about getting to, like, I use that opportunity to get to know them. Then we get on and do the live stream together. And then I do these things afterwards, which are very much giving them an extended, you know, ex part of the experience. So mm -hmm. they'll get video clips from me and I don't do it all at once. It's like they'll get one on one day and then maybe four days later, they'll get another one. Right. And then another thing that I do is when the audio podcast goes live, I have turned my LinkedIn newsletter into my, my podcast. And this is a feature that LinkedIn has that not very many podcasters know, which is that you can, when you have a newsletter, you can take the link from the Spotify episode of your podcast, just grab that URL and drop it into your newsletter and the Spotify player will embed on the newsletter article on LinkedIn. So it will play right there on LinkedIn and people don't have to leave LinkedIn to listen to your episode. And once they created that, I said, well, I didn't have a newsletter. So I said, okay, well, this is what I'm doing. I'll just cut and paste all my episodes over here. And the other thing that LinkedIn does with when you have a newsletter, when you announce it, all of your connections are invited to become subscribers of your newsletter. And they send an email directly to all your connections saying, hey, Brad's got a newsletter, you should subscribe. And so I, you know, I now have like 400 and some subscribers to my Perfect. LinkedIn newsletter, which is my podcast. And so from the podcast world, this is one of the few ways that you can really promote your podcast that isn't available anywhere else. And if you happen to have a lot of people on LinkedIn, like, you know, if you had like 10,000 or 100,000 or whatever followers, connections there, this can be really powerful for a podcast. And, and uh, I just, I don't see many people doing this yet. I, every time I talk with a guest, I tell them about this and they all go, oh, wow, shoot, I should start doing that. And this is another thing of just sort of like, by doing what I help my clients do, it's another very inviting thing. So that if someone isn't quite there yet, they're thinking, oh, Brad could really help me set this up. And, you know, so that that's all part of how it works. Very compelling. You know, I think the fact that you're sending these clips like here and there, a couple of days later, that alone, and you know, you're not really asking for anything, that alone building that relationship and keeping that connection strong is huge long-term, yeah. right? So yeah. I really like the way you're doing it. And I think it's, it's, it's a, it's really good. And, um, I think building that relationship is number one, right? C keeping connected, you know, you're not asking for anything. You're just trying to keep connected and send them, you know, these video clips and also kind of showing them what is possible with, if they, if they decide to, you know, kind of do what you're doing. So that's nice that it works out that way for you. And, you know, 
my, I guess I know we only have about two minutes left before this episode's over already, but I did want to know, you know, based on where you are today, and this is a question I ask often on my podcast, just because to see the different answers and, you know, based on where you are today, if you were to double your revenue and your profit, what are, cause we know getting to the next level, there's always new challenges. What are some things you might cha- need to change and what is some new challenges that might come from that? If my revenue were doubled, uh, my my team would be doubled. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would be doing, there'd be a bunch of things that I would get off my plate. That's that's the big change that would happen. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like right now, for instance, with the video editing stuff that I do, I do a fair amount of, of the editing myself, but I also have two other people who handle stuff. And I'm basically what I'm doing, like, and I, with each client, there's, there's one person assigned to them. And so they're always just handling this, you know, one of my editors is working with just one client at a time and that works great. So, you know, if we're looking at doubling or tripling uh, the activity that I'm doing, that that would expand and I would be doing much less. I think in the ideal world, at the very least, uh, I would be only doing the one-on-one with the clients and I would have be hands-off on any post-production at, completely. Um, yeah. That just, that just wouldn't be part of what I do. It's, it's a little hard to imagine going there completely because I know that video editing is a magical thing. Like, you know, in make my, I'm a firm believer that in the making of a video, it's all in the edit. You know, you can be the world's greatest cinematographer, but if you have a bad edit, it's just, messed up <laughs> yeah and you can come and you, and you know, can take because... a bunch of really crummy footage and if you are a good editor you can put that together and tell a nice story anyway so there's a lot and you know that there. because you have a lot of expertise behind you know videography and stuff like that so brad this has been amazing i appreciate you coming on today and sharing you know your everything that you've been up to and it's exciting you know your story is great and i love what you're doing you know if anyone's looking to connect with you what would be the best way well a really easy way and i'll give them a gift in the, in response is uh, i have a a template so that if you're wanting to do what we've been talking about in terms of making short form videos and you're wondering how to do it in a very engaging way i've created a pdf that has 40 video and ideas for basically starting the conversation with whoever it is that you want to be talking to. And you can go find that at 40videoideas.com. So it's the number 40, 40videoideas.com. And you'll get instant access to this free download. And it has all these different video prompts for like, what am I going to say next? And how do I do this in a way that people will respond to me? Fantastic. Thanks again, Brad, for coming on today and sharing your valuable insights with my listeners. Um, very excited to see where this goes with you, especially because you're a traveler and, you know, um, I'm, I'm just I'm intrigued to see what happens next and where you are and what you're doing. So we'll definitely stay connected, you know. Right. Me too. I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on just like Brad did today for an interview, please go to top100interview.com and fill out an application. We'd love to have you on as well. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you, Brad.
Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.